Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to use the Pew Bible or the app on your phone, we're going to be using our gospel lesson this morning. It's from John chapter 16. Uh, we'll be using verses 23 through 33. 33, John 16, 33 being the ending where he says, I have said these things to you that in my name you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's funny how quickly trouble and tribulation unexpectedly enter our lives. I'm no exception. Coming home the Saturday after Thanksgiving, I tripped in the church parking lot, broke my ankle, a plate, seven screws, and there I was on crutches for all of uh, the beginning of the next year. One Saturday, uh, running along, ran a half marathon, felt great. Six hours later, I'm in the hospital. I managed to uh, have a kidney stone that my running jogged loose and eventually needing surgery to have that removed. There was the, the, the shut-in visit. He was actually in the hospital. I was taking care of his house. Pretty sure that's where I had a brown recluse spider bite me. Hospitalized five days. Really ugly, ugly wound. I don't kid myself. Some of you have had much worse sudden changes. It's the, you thought you were having a normal hospital visit or doctor's visit, and all of a sudden there's a cancer diagnosis. That call that brings the sudden news of the tragic death of a family member, so much more can so quickly happen. So what do we do when life suddenly changes for the worse? Now, our text for this morning from John chapter 16 is part of what's known as Jesus's farewell discourse to his disciples. This is the night before his death. This is Maundy Thursday. It's this long discussion punctuated by questions that his disciples had about his impending departure. So this takes place after Jesus has washed their feet, after uh, he institutes the Lord's Supper, before on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's just told them that one of them would betray him and that they are to love one another. Last week's lesson. He goes on to comfort his disciples, telling them that they, he will not leave them orphaned, he promises to send a, another advocate, the spirit of truth, to be with them forever and to continue the work that he has begun. He tells them he is the vine, they are the branches. He commands them to love one another. He promises to send them the Holy Spirit. So what's the big finish to these wonderful words? In this world, you will have tribulation. Yay. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Now, to be fair, I took those words out of context. He doesn't end there, nor does he begin there. 
you look at the words immediately surrounding it, and what do you say? He says, I have said these things to you that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he's presenting these two contrasts, these two options, in the world, in me. Now we know Jesus is greater than the world. He has overcome the world, but also the truth. The truth that I live in both worlds. I live in this world, but I also live uh, in God's world, in, in God's kingdom. So what does that mean? means that sometimes tribulation and peace are going to live side by side. I'm going to have both. Worse yet, sometimes those two worlds are in a bit of conflict, aren't they? They're butting up against each other. You see, it's hard Because the struggle for us as Christians is we live in a world, in a world system that is sometimes aligned against God and his ways and against his people, the church. World's sometimes a hostile place for Christians. Remember, we're in the world, but not of the world. We don't share its values. Now, the truth is that the church has always been a bit countercultural. In whatever society Christians have found themselves, in whatever time, in whatever place. Because in every society, there are always aspects of it that run counter to God's word. It's called sin. It's a broken world. Therefore, the church and Christians are often going to run counter to culture. So, life as a Christian, good news for today, is sometimes going to be hard. No, that's not good news. That's the reality of living in a world that's broken. Sometimes Christians face persecution. It may be subtle from simple teasing at school or work to outright disdain. Sometimes there's even awful life-taking assaults. Just last week, another church shooting. It's not the first, nor is it going to be the last. There's also just simply the reality that traditional biblical beliefs and values are not popular now. They're old-fashioned, right? Marriage and sexuality. Life from conception to natural death. We regard those uh, as things given and ordained by God and not defined simply by society. But some people don't like that. And that puts us in conflict with the world. Sometimes the struggle for us as Christians is just simply because the world is broken, because it doesn't work right, 
we live with the struggles of living in a broken world. We get sick. We weren't designed to be that way before sin entered through the garden. But now things don't work. We have accidents. Our our bodies are wasting away. We get old. Things don't bend and move quite as easily or nicely than they used to, do they? It's a challenge. There's also the reality that I can't change the world. You see, the world has always been hostile to God and his ways since the fall in the garden. It's broken. And we can't fix it. We can't change it. Alone, we can't overcome it. Now, some will come in with approach and say, if we just keep screaming God's word in their faces, they're going to change. No. Not all of them. Now, maybe some. And that's why we do keep proclaiming the truth to touch people with the love and the grace of Jesus. In fact, that's precisely the point. I don't have to overcome the world. I can't overcome the world. That's why we need Jesus. Jesus did that for me, for them, for all people. You see, the world did its worst, and Jesus overcame it. The world raged against Christ. It mocked him, it beat him, it crucified the only sinless man who has ever walked the earth. He endured the ultimate trouble when he was nailed to that cross. And precisely in his suffering and death, the Holy Son of God won that victory for all of us. Jesus took all the sins of the world, all of our rebellion against God, all of our sins, and bore that judgment we deserved in our place on the cross. His sacrificial death removes that barrier of sin and hostility that separates us from God. His death makes peace between God and man and creation. His death on that cross won our forgiveness. What Jesus did for us on Good Friday and Easter opens that door of eternal life. By faith, we see that stone has been rolled away from Jesus' tomb, and we hear that good news that he is risen and lives forever for us, for you, for me, for the sins of the entire world. So... So that means that we approach life, we approach the world and its tribulations with a completely new and different perspective and new position. There's three things that that I would like you to remember when you suffer, when all of a sudden you get the phone call. 
when all of a sudden something goes bad. First, we approach any and all tribulation already victorious in Jesus. Remember, where does our lesson begin? Uh, and where does it end? It says, I have overcome the world. We are already victorious. Our life is bigger than this world. We have an eternal life. Secondly, already victorious, we approach tribulation, we approach trouble with Jesus' power. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You see, when I can't, and when I realize I finally can't, that's when Jesus does. See, he gives us his strength, stronger than my strength. He gives a peace beyond all understanding. He gives a hope and a truth that allows us to endure. Already victorious, with Jesus' power, I approach tribulation with prayer. You see, that's why he began this section where he did. Ask. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Asking in Jesus' name, praying to the Lord means that we're connected to God. Our person, uh, our will, connected to who God is and in his will for all of creation. And as we ask, we know that we receive. Or you're victorious with Jesus' power, asking in prayer. Now, any and all tribulation that might come to us, whether I'm prepared for it or not, God is. He will stand beside you. Remember, Jesus is speaking this night on Maundy Thursday, right before he's about to die. And I got to believe that his words are a bit shocking, aren't they? I came from the Father and I have come into the world and I'm now leaving the world and going to the Father. And that will help? Wait a minute, Jesus, you're here. We've been seeing you do all these things. Leaving, why is that a good thing? But what he knows is that being connected to Jesus through the Holy Spirit is going to have for them a wonderful outcome. Peace. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. See, Jesus saying, I have overcome the world is not just then, it's not just about Jesus, 
But as Jesus overcame that world and that ongoing result of what he's done for all of creation gives that ongoing result for all of us. We have an abiding victory. We have ongoing peace. And that can't be taken away. That peace that Jesus gives is far greater than any tribulation the world could ever dish out. It's an eternal peace that cannot fail and will prevail. Jesus wins. For me, for you, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Many pastors close their sermons, including my father, for many years with Philippians 4, verse 7, and it seems very appropriate today. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.